Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, just uh, hanging in there. It's uh, Spring has sprung a little bit here in New Orleans. Feels like uh, things are looking up. You think so? Yeah, it feels a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, started to actually have a few gigs that, well, you know, we just passed the, the one-year anniversary of the beginning of the lockdown. So my, my last gig that I played before all that happened, happened was uh, March the 14th, Saturday night, uh, the last gig that they had at the Circle Bar. It was the Geraniums, our memorial gig for our, our drummer who had just passed away and uh, turned out to be the last gig ever at the Circle Bar. So we, we just passed that one-year anniversary. And just today, I started getting calls for some of the uh, one of the indoor gigs that I was regularly doing before uh, all this started. So I'm actually going to start back in uh, April, having a couple of those uh, those dates, a couple of now Friday are they going inside inside a club? It is going to be inside. Oh man, are you worried about that? Well, I'm. I actually got my second dose of the vaccine yesterday. Really? Yep. So in two weeks, I will have you know, 95% uh, immunity. And uh, so, yeah, you know, at that point, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll feel comfortable. I'll feel, what feel about your bandmates? Well, I think uh, the, at least one of the guys I know is, will, will be in the similar situation by the time we play that gig. The other guy's much younger. I'm not sure what his, uh, his status is, but, uh, you know, it, it seems like in in louisiana they've opened it up to almost anybody you know it's like uh you know they'll anybody 16 or above with a pre-existing condition and they take your word for the pre-existing condition you know you could say uh you know you're a smoker your feelings get hurt easily uh you know you're on a, a steroid cream or something anything you say and they just go okay sure that's and, where they get you yeah yeah that's where they get you man I haven't, uh, you know, uh, I tried to go get a shot. Okay. Um, I was at the local Walgreens and they said, yeah. And I dropped my pants and they said, get out. <laughs> they said not so fast. They said not so, you know, yeah. I, you know, so I, cause I'm not getting it in the arm. I want it in the butt cheek. Huh. Okay. There's no way I'm getting it in the arm, man. Huh. Really? Why? I want it old school, baby. Huh. Why in is the that? ass. Because that's the way I remember, man. Okay. I always get every shot in the ass. Okay. Well, uh, I, I remember when we were kids, sometimes, you remember even in school, they would come around and give us uh, inoculations. Uh, yes. They'd line us all up. And those were all in the arm, as I recall. But maybe that was different in L.A. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe they were oh. dro dropping the pants in L.A. I could yeah well i always got my shot i didn't get many shots in school though no, no. you know it's like they have like a, a booster shot or something you know they have those diphtheria or you know whatever the the ones that require uh or at the time anyway they you know all those vaccines have progressed a lot but 
back when we were kids, they'd have to come around and give you one when you were seven, and they might come around and give you another one when you're 11 or something. I, I was very stoned at that time. Yeah, <laughs> even <laughs> at seven and 11. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> right, I remember right. that one time they were coming to give us shots, and there was this kid who lived down the street from me. We went to the same grammar school. His name was Bobby Wheeler. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a cool name, Bobby Wheeler, and he rode a and he rode a dirt bike everywhere he went. Okay, his 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 name went along with his activity. Yeah, Wheeler. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, he uh, the whole you know we were supposed to get these shots on a Friday, and he a lot of people were scared because you know you're scared of I, I I never like getting shots or anything like that, and he kept like berating on we're like in fourth grade or something he kept like teasing us and saying it's just a shot man don't worry about it you know you guys are wussies you're sissies and all that kind of stuff and so the day of the shot it was friday i think it was before maybe right after lunch i don't know i don't remember Mm -hmm. and all the kids are in line to get their shot and i'm like two people behind Bobby Wheeler and I'm with my friend Chris Long who everyone called Chris and Pitt because there was a famous uh, barbecue restaurant in our neighborhood called Chris and Pitts and mm. we just we just nicknamed him that for some reason okay and me and Chris were behind Bobby Wheeler and we got closer and closer to the shot and it was one of those shots, you know, it wasn't like a needle. It was like, it was like a gun, you know, they had those guns. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Bobby Wheeler's next. And this is a guy who'd been like teasing us about how we were scared to get the shot and we were girls and all that. And he just broke down into tears and fell to the ground. I don't want to get the shot. I'm scared to get the shot. I'm scared to get the shot. And we all fucking just were like blown away. Because for the first four days, you know, four days, he was just giving a shit about it. And then he started crying and they had to calm him down. The teacher had to like calm him down. and, And he finally got the shot in his arm. And then after, yeah, it was after lunch. We were all on the playground. And, like, me and, like, 20 other boys and girls just walked up to him and punched him in that arm. (laughs) How you like that, Bobby Wheeler? Right. Serves him right, man. Those those bullies, you know, they they, they talk a a big game, you know. Yeah. Comes right down to it. uh, You know, they're really projecting all their own fears on everyone else. Yeah. I I think because we went to the same junior high and, and after like seventh grade, I never saw him again. I don't know what happened to that guy. Hmm. You know? Okay, but uh, it is um, what it is. Yeah, He's hopefully, like, hopefully Bobby Wheeler's uh, doing doing well, uh, succeeding in life, live, living his best life. Um, I, that's not what I'm hoping for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's wearing an orange suit somewhere, to tell you the truth. Okay, I got you. <laughs> sure, I could I could picture that. Yeah. Well, you know, we did have some some big news in in the Trouble Nation uh, this oh, week. No. What's yeah. that? Well, um, they they had the Grammy Awards uh, this past Sunday, oh, and uh, 
at, at the time this was going on, I was actually playing a, a gig with uh, the Susan Cowsill Band, and uh, we had almost a full band of Troubled Men podcast guests on, on her <laughs> band. And out in the audience, we had George Porter and Ivan Neville both uh, listening to the band the whole time. So two more uh, former guests. And then meanwhile... George across- Porter and Ivan Neville were guests on our show? <laughs> yes. You don't remember that? I remember Ivan a little bit, but who? George Porter. Yeah, you know, the bass player with the meters, uh, bass player with uh, oh, George okay. Porter and the Rock Partners. All right. Yeah. And, all right. Uh, I, all these... I'm, I got to really catch up on this shit. Man. Sure, sure, sure. I get you. Um, well, f- thankfully, we have it all chronicled and it's all, all there in order. Um, so it's easy easy to access all those, those uh, previous shows. But then, anyway, so across town, uh, the. Uh, New Orleans Nightcrawlers were playing a gig. And if you recall, our, our former guest, Craig Klein, that w- was uh, a member of that band, and uh, they were up for a Grammy Award in the regional roots category. Well, so it turns out they won. The New Orleans Nightcrawlers won a Grammy in, in that category. So uh, exciting news. We're very happy for uh, Craig Klein and, and all the uh, New Orleans Nightcrawlers. So, again... Wow. Uh, it's much much success being reflected back onto the troubled nation. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, so, but isn't that category now? They they just basically every year they just nominate the same three bands. Well, no, the, I mean the, we were talking about that how they they lumped every all these regional things that used to have their own category like Hawaiian music or Cajun music, or Zydeco music, or uh, New Orleans brass band. Those each used to have... Now, now it's just called shitty music, well, right? No, no. <laughs> no, I like all this kind of that, all that music. I like all the, the, the idiosyncratic regional music, but it's all lumped into one category. So yes, in this, this instance, they, they had a, two Cajun bands, a Hawaiian band, somebody else, and uh, a brass New Orleans brass band. So... Um, it's, it's a little bit funky the way the, the, well, I would have voted for somebody else. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> fortunately for them, you're not a voting member of the, uh, well, you know, you know, growing up in Los Angeles, right. I, I, the way I feel about award shows is just, it's just, they're so stupid and ridiculous. Sure. I mean, sure. But I, I, but I guess, you know, uh, uh, if someone wants to, you know, uh, give me an award, I'll, I'll do it. Warren Beatty, when he won an Oscar, I'll put it above my toilet. Okay, you know, that's what he did. <laughs> you right, know? right, right, right. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. They won an award. And who was it? Greg Klein? Craig Klein. Oh, he was, Craig uh, Klein. Yeah, yeah. He was a trombone player. Uh, talked about being the Treme uh, brass band. Uh, I don't know. He, he was a, a real devoted, uh, you know, traditional jazz uh, New Orleans trombone player. So much success. I mean, much uh, well, g- great I'm, congratulations to those. And guys. you love trombone players. I, I again, I, yeah, I, I do. You know, Manny, it's uh, I, I actually learned a lot. I, I adapted a lot about the way trombone players play to my bass playing. You're not playing the initial phrase like the trumpet, or you're not playing a, a counter melody like the clarinet. You kind of occupy this third space near the end of the bar and 
the, I, I've kind of adapted that. So I, there's there's a lot to learn from from every instrument that you can apply to. You know. uh, I think you've been occupying space for a long time, Renee. Well, yes, you know <laughs> we we all we all are, are trying to find our our, our niche, uh, Manny. Trying to find a comfortable space right. for us to. So you're going to gonna play an indoor gig. I I read a, f- a few days ago, and I heard on the radio that uh, these bars and clubs that they, they've got a lot of work to do to make it safe. They have to get like the HVAC systems all all all, all uh, together and stuff. Right. Because a lot of these places aren't up to code when it comes to the HVAC systems. Right. You know. So how is that going to happen? Um, you know, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, everybody's interested in getting back into business, so they'll, they'll do what they need to do. You know, they do have some federal money uh, floating around that, you know, to, that they're going to spread around for this, I would assume for the purpose of, but you know, how re- can they get it done so fast? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, are they just paying off AC companies and just saying, yeah, give me the certificate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of these places could have used an upgrade anyway. So, uh, it's, uh, whatever well, it took. Most of them, their toilets could have used an upgrade of the places I've been to. Well, that's true. That's true. Yes. That, that, that many places that we frequent, uh, that, that could be the low point of the evening is having to go into the restroom. So hopefully they'll, they'll spread some of the money in that direction as well. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so what's going on with you? You're, is, is, are you, is your daughter being forced back into the classroom? Uh, are, are you having to, is anything changing with you and your job on campus? Uh, like, no, well, no, my daughter is not being forced back. And she, she's going t- two days a week and okay. I have, I have, I'm being forced back. I, I, and I, I never left. Right. So, um, but, uh, they're, uh, uh, there was an email from the university last Saturday that we all got saying that they're this fall they plan to be back to normal this fall. Okay, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, it's funny, you know, a year ago they were saying, uh, yeah, two weeks to flatten the curve, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, a year later, and uh, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I said this before, and uh, you know. I think uh, in about a year from now, I'll be saying, bring back the pandemic, man. Bring yeah. it back. I was so much happier during the pandemic well. than I've ever been, you know. But that's that's me, you know. Right, right. But right. I did see uh, something uh, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the uh, – I had to go get some libations at the last minute a few days ago because, I, you know, uh, I have to have my libations. You were thirsty. Day. Yes, and um, I was in. I got my libations, and I went to get in line. And behind me, oh, in front of me, I don't know if I told you this, but there was, there was, uh, you know how you go to the supermarket, and there's always these fucking fat fucking fucks who have to use that motorized, you know, shopping cart. Did I talk about this? I don't. I don't recall. Okay. Uh, Well, there was there was this fucking one of those fucking fat fucks. You know, who's in their little motorized shopping cart. Sure. And it's filled to the gills. The cart is filled up with just the worst food ever. You know, Hot Pockets and Twinkies and Ho-Hos. Yeah, and, uh, Ho-Hos, Ding Dong, Hot Pockets, you know, the, uh, the fucking uh, uh, potato chips. That little Sara Lee cakes. Yeah. And then they had, but they had like a, a, a like 
40 pounds of crawfish and stuff okay. like that. And this, this person is, you know, in line and she's got someone next to her who's, I don't know if it's her sister, her daughter, a friend who's standing up next to her in line. And you know how they have, uh, when you go to the checkout, they have the candy and the, they have the little uh, refrigerators if you want, like a soda or right, something. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> and I'm behind these person, these two people. And, I mean, this shopping cart is overflowing. It's like, remember when the Grinch stole Christmas? You know? <laughs> the sack. The sack. <laughs> right. And the sled and that poor dog had to pull, <laughs> pull that sled. Right. It was kind of like that. Oh, you geez. know, um, so for some reason, I don't know why, maybe she was just trying to be friendly or polite, but she, the woman who was standing, her friend said, you know, she looked in the fridge and said, would you like a, you want one of these green teas? And <laughs> the woman sitting down looked at her and I was watching this whole thing said, what the hell would I want a green tea for? Okay. Well, what the fuck do I want a green tea for? There you go. I ain't going to drink no fucking green tea. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. And the girl was like, okay, you know. That makes sense. Makes sense yeah, that uh, yeah. she's not a, not a big fan of the green tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why At that point, why? You know, what, what, what would be gained by, by the green tea? It's a little bit late, right? Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, why why would you even ask her that question? Looking yeah. at her shopping cart, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, Manny. You know, so anyway, that was kind of funny. And then uh, I heard, uh, you know, going back to the COVID, I heard uh, uh, there was footage of uh, Yo-Yo Ma oh, getting, yes. getting his vaccine shot. Right. And then I saw this footage, and I saw, like, cell phone footage, like, on the YouTube of this. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma gets a shot, and then he broke out his cello mm-hmm. and started performing. Yep. And everyone was just kind of like, stop performing. Stop playing, please. Stop uh-huh. playing. <laughs> All the faces in line were like, you know, they were they, – I don't know what neighborhood he was in, but he wasn't in a neighborhood that was Yo-Yo Ma fans. Okay. You know? <laughs> you know? okay. They, they weren't impressed by, they were not by, impressed by, the, by solo, the solo yeah. acoustic cello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to know your audience, you know. It's, yeah, well, you know, Yo-Yo. appeals to everybody. Yeah, Yo-Yo Ma wasn't playing to his audience. He, okay. He was, he, was, he was playing to, it looked like a 50 Cent's audience or something like that. Okay, well, you never yeah. know. You never. You, you can never tell. But, uh, but yeah. you know, I, I appreciate the effort. That, uh, he, he, he brought some, uh, some much-needed publicity to the... Uh, the uh, vaccination campaign. So that's good. It's a public service uh, effort there. Well, uh, how about we get to our guest, Manny? What do you think? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Right on. Because he's he's a longtime listener of the show. He's a big Uh fan of the show. Uh-oh. And uh, he's a big fan of yours, and and uh, and uh, you know he's a guy I've known for a long time. He actually kind of uh, occupies a pivotal uh, role in my life. But uh, so we'll get into all that. He's uh, it was your first hand job, um, he, yeah. not my first, but one of my most important ones early on. Um, so uh, uh, so he's a, a singer, guitar player, songwriter. He was uh, the band leader of Stanley and the Undesirables, a band I, I played with as a, as a child. Um, he's originally from Memphis, I believe, but he's lived in New Orleans for a long time. He's been living in Florabama right there on the, the cusp of Florida and Alabama. 
the weirdest part of Florida, um, and we'll get into all that anyway. Without further ado, Mr. Stanley Adkins. Welcome, Stanley. Hey, Renee. Hey, Manny. Hey, buddy. How are you? Well, I'm hanging in there enjoying the conversation. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, let me let me paint this picture. Uh, so, so I'm in, in uh, Loyola Music School. I must be like 18 years old. I'd been there for a couple of years. I was not really happy with what was going on. I was, uh, I'd, I'd gone into music school really liking the way I played. And by the, by this time I was not liking the way I was playing and wasn't happy with the program. Now out of nowhere, I get called to, uh, fill in, uh, with this band. And it's a guy I know, George, the max, George Reinecke. I was recommended by this drummer, Nikki Sonsenbach. And, uh, they needed somebody that could play with this kind of, uh, uh, punk country band and uh, and also back up Alex Chilton on a set that he was going to do. And this was a band that was kind of a protégés of, of Alex's. So I, I go to the rehearsal and I meet Stanley for the first time. And it's Stanley and George Reinecke and Nikki and me. And it's the first time I was ever at a rehearsal where uh, a couple of guys in the band uh, leave the rehearsal room, go to the bathroom, and shoot up before the rehearsal to where, <laughs> to where, to where the the two guitar players are so high they can barely keep their heads up. And this is you know at the beginning of the rehearsal, I'm going, oh Jesus Christ, what is what am I doing here? What is going? Yeah. On? What, what, what is happening with my life? But uh, you know, I was able to see past that that uh, rough patch there for me and and actually wound up being my my entree into the uh the club scene uh into playing you know publicly in nightclubs and and uh it it, it eventually uh got me out of uh music school and and into playing on the road so well so so stanley um how did that band get started because uh we'll tell a little bit about how you started with with uh, stanley and, and the undesirables well uh, you put it you put it pretty straight, Renee. That was great. Uh, okay, all right. It was kind of raw and real, but uh, I had been playing with Alex for over a decade, and uh, I had a tragic car wreck there. And now, and while I was recovering, Alex stuck a guitar. He was pretty much dependent on me at that time. And we didn't know many people in New Orleans. He stuck a guitar in my hand and, and had me strumming an E-tune while he was learning Train Kept Rolling. And then once you and Nikki got in the mix, uh, I distinctly remember, you might have been there the day, Alex said, oh, it's too bad we're a bunch of undesirables. And it kind of started like that. Okay. You know? Okay. So, so, so you were, you were in New Orleans and, and, uh, Alex was down there visiting you when you, when you got hit. Now, how did, how did you wind up meeting him? I know you were a big Cramps fan. Is that, is, is that what led to? No, no. The Cramps okay. to me were like later, later. I'd known Alex for, for many years by then. Oh, okay. But, um, Alex and I basically got run out of Memphis because we owed every bar in Memphis money okay. uh, after the Big Star fiasco. And Alex, uh, 
alcoholism problem and and my problems you know we uh i was in the merchant marines and alex was just traveling around doing the best he could and new orleans was just a safe haven you got hit by a bread truck or something well it was a semi truck and i ended up there for three years having uh um operations on my face Mm. and alex took advantage of that to stay there with me and and we just so we started jamming and we met nikki and nikki led to george led to you becky and okay well you brought up becky so i was going to say before i got in in the undesirables you had a a few bass players went through there the great uh bobby brennan i know played on a recording session that you guys did but you had uh the legendary becky curry who was had already passed away when i got on the scene but i'd heard her name for many years or for several years before i was on the scene just through people you know that played with my father's band scott gudo and you know cranston or whoever and Becky was uh, in the 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 band the Rhapsodizers, um, which you know had was kind of proto like before the Radiators, and I think Clark Vreeland maybe was in the Rhapsodizers. There's a bunch of people that wound up being in different bands. But how did Becky wind up uh, playing with you guys? Well, through George, George and Becky had a relationship, and Becky had a contract with CBS. And and the drugs had a lot to do with it, you know, our, our common association with that. But Becky gave a lot of legitimacy to the music because she hooked us up with Earl King. She hooked us up with a lot of people that, um, God, Becky was just so beautiful. It's just tra- uh, such a tragedy, her, her loss. You know, yeah, and the yeah, Rhapsodizers yeah. were such a, a great uh, thing for New Orleans. It was a, just, just, she was just tremendous, but her and Alex just totally clashed. Huh. And that was a, a strange thing. But so, so when you say Alex took advantage of uh, the accident to your face, is that he took advantage of what the painkillers and all the drugs you were getting from the hit from the semi-truck? No, no, Manny, Alex, Alex was in a situation where he really got fucked over by, really bad by uh, Stacks record label and by Americana with, with uh, Cry Like a Baby and the letter and then with the big star records, uh, people really don't know probably that IRS got more of the money. But anyway, Alex had such uh, bad feelings about this. He was just happy to have a place to stay for free. Right. And food right, to right. you know, and send somebody to buy him cigarettes. That's all. And he was kind of taking care of you and, and looking after you. So, you know, yeah. it was a symbi- symbiotic relationship. Right. right. We were great friends. And I was his protege. He wanted me to just be a huge star. Alex really loved me to death, you know. We were great well, friends. Well, so so then George comes on the scene. And, you know, when I contacted you a couple of weeks ago, I guess I was you hadn't heard that George just passed away about 
six weeks ago. That was the first that you had heard of that because you're way out in the country there. But uh, but you and George were great uh, running partners. I mean, besides playing in a band together, I mean, you guys were like, you know, what, traveling around, uh, visiting people through the Southeast, busting scripts, uh, 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 hustling doctors. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and we would have been on MTV if it weren't for that. In fact, uh, the not, the day you and Alex did the 120 minutes with MTV, uh -huh. The night before, George and I were playing with Dickinson and Ross at the Antenna Club. And on the way from my farm to Memphis, George stopped and busted a script, and we ended up in jail. So mm -hmm. we missed the Antenna Club. We missed the MTV. Dash Ripgrop ended up replacing us. Man. That's just a cognitive memory that kicked off out of nowhere. Right, right, right. But George, God, what an integral part. He had, because of his disability, he had a strange way of uh, unique playing uh, style. Right. And it, it gave Alex the um, opportunity to play drums. Okay. And we we also use Clark Vreeland. I mentioned. I, I heard you mention his name as Blake right. as a bass player when Becky passed. Okay. And Clark's, you know, he had so there were so many different influences with the undesirables. We we really had a lot going on back then. You know, it. Uh, I felt like. Sure, sure. And we, we played some great gigs. I remember we did a, a, a great opener for uh, Marianne Faithful at Tipitina's. It was a, a sold-out show, huge success. And another one I remember we opened for the Violent Femmes on their first uh, national tour. And I remember the next time those guys came back around, we ran into Brian Ritchie again, and he goes, man, I'll never forget you guys because you're the only band on our entire, uh, you know, first tour where the opening band kind of blew us away. Well, <laughs> so, well, that's really nice of you to say. Well, you know, we ended up that night, me and Brian and Gordon going over to the Maple Leaf and watching Booker. Okay. Who you, you knew... You knew Booker already. You, you knew all these. How did you know all these New Orleans guys? Uh, well, these, all these musicians. See, I was on the methadone clinic, and Charles Neville introduced me to Booker and Rebenack. Of course, you guys know okay. him. As do you know, you know who I'm talking about, Doctor John. Sure, yeah, Mac. Yeah, and um, you know, long hair was there. Uh, all of us, well, you know, and I, probably, huh. a, probably a few other, but, you know, I knew them there because I'd be standing in line with them a couple of days out of the week. Okay, so, you know, you have, you have one thing where people that get into, like, AA um, kind of know each other from the program, you know, so I guess the corollary for that, the flip side of that is you also have people that are on the methadone program who all hang out and know each other. That's a that's a social thing. Well, it's it, it goes back to a time thing also. Like if you look at Ivan's generation, I can remember when Ivan was uh, let's say sixteen or seventeen, eighteen, 
um, his dame was making him go to Narcotics Anonymous. And they had their little clique. And then they'd all go up to up on St. Charles uh, to um, the Shoney's up there. You know what I'm talking about? Right, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a time period thing is the way I look at it. Right. Because that's the way they dealt with guys like us back in the day, you know. But it was super cool to get to know Fessor Long here and then find out, hey, this this crazy old guy's a, a super talented, legendary character, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, Stanley, Stanley, I remember that Shoney's. Oh, that's great, man. I remember that because I remember going there when I first moved here and I ordered pigs in a blanket for breakfast. And they, the waitress brought me a picture of my parents in bed. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> yeah. And, and then they closed like a few months later. Oh, okay. that's awful. Yeah. So, Stanley, so you, so you recovered from the bread truck, but at some point you, you, you got like a big windfall uh, settlement with them, right? With with that, I mean, you, oh yeah, I got a bit of money for sure, yeah. Because I'm I'm trying to think, that, you know, I've known you for, like I said, since I'm 18 years old. Have you ever had a regular job? Not really, huh? I mean, you never like had to go anywhere and. Work. Oh hell no! I'm a southern <laughs> aristocrat. Yeah. <laughs> If okay. I wasn't, I'd just be a straight-up gangster, man. That's all there is to it, you know. Okay. That's <laughs> I, I mean, New Orleans is Sin City. You guys, if you weren't there back in the day, you just have to realize that the stories are true. Stanley, you're, Renee said at the beginning of the show, you're like on the in Florabama area. Is well, that where you're at? Yeah, I'm like just a few miles on the Alabama side of Florida because they're like Nazis over there. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. You don't have to tell me that. Um, but is it, was it there? For, how long have you been there? Oh, I've been here since, well, off and on since the nineties. Okay. Cause I've always wanted to go. One of my favorite football players ever was Ken Stabler. The, oh, snake. He's, the snake. He's real yeah. close. Yeah, I'm real yeah. Close didn't he? Ha didn't, didn't he have a bar around that area too? Uh yeah, he does. He does. Oh, he still does. Yeah, you should come over, man. You'd love. Well, it. I, 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 I've been it's wanting to go. It's called the Redneck Riviera. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you get on the other side of Pensacola. It's the Gay Riviera. <laughs> okay, something for everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, well, if I go there, will you meet me there? Uh, if I go to Kenny, not the Gay Riviera, the the, the 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 Redneck Riviera. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, well, good, yeah, because I've always wanted to go, and I've been to Florida ever since I moved. I've gone to Florida quite a few times, but I've never got a chance to go to Kenny Stabler's place. I've always wanted to because he was like uh, such a you know, hero for me. He just was the coolest football player I've ever seen in my life. And, and, you know, he could be partying all night and then show up for the game and 
win it, win every game in the last minute. The guy, right, was, yeah, yeah, make three touchdowns in the yeah. last in the last uh, ninety seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and he had the greatest quote. You know, when they asked him about you know you know preparing for a game, and he's he had the greatest quote ever. Went uh, back in the seventies. He says. You can study your playbook by the light of a jukebox just as well as by a death. <laughs> oh man, you, you would, man, That's you, so cool. you would love it over here. It's called the Miracle Strip for a reason. And Stabler came down. He went to the Florabama, which is a honky tonk, a real like Chitlin Circuit honky tonk on the uh-huh. Florida Alabama state line right on the beach and that's why i'm here because i've got an open gig there anytime i want and that's something that's just been wonderful you know i can sell my cds out of there and it's just a nice little place manny i actually got to meet uh uh stabler one time cool he uh when when uh i think uh Mike Ditka was the coach of the Saints, and he brought Stabler in as a quarterback. So no, that was that was Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips, you're right. Okay, yeah. okay. But so I I played at this some kind of deal where it was all the Saints players for that year being introduced, and at a couple of bands, and and I was one of them. It was during the daytime, and you know we were done, and and uh, everybody left and it was just all those guys and us so you know i, I had been a, a raiders fan like yourself as a kid you know during that during that that glory period that we're talking about and uh you know i actually got to shake his hand i was i was, it was thrilling cool oh manny manny let me tell you this little story about george okay we're doing this gig in baton rouge and we we were <clears throat> You know, we were living a rock and roll life. So I wake up in the car, get up, go into the back of the bar. We start playing. We're over there with uh, some of Tav's friends, our favorite band. And uh, about halfway through the gig, I turn around, look, and George has a dress on. (laughs) yeah he's walking the bar we're actually playing a gay bar that books punk bands on the weekend well so so on one side of the street was a whole bunch of churchgoers and church buses on the other side of the street were the police on the gay (laughs) side of the bar yeah so unbeknownst to me but i'm tripping balls and oh my god this is amazing so somebody kicks open the doors and george starts playing this will the circle be unbroken oh my god God. yeah in a dress so uh my god playing with george was quite an experience this was George Porter? No, no, George the Max, George Ronnie. Oh, okay. I didn't know which George you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, George yeah, Porter yeah. would never do something crazy like this. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, George, George the Max was uh, was one of a kind, man. It's a, you know, I, I wanted to get him on the podcast for 
since I since we first started it. But every time I would think about it, you know, George was in such rough shape for the last few years. I would always think, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out. Now, of course, the moment I heard that he had passed away, I was like, son of a bitch, I should have had him on. You know, it's like in whatever condition I should have had him on just to just to document George and his story. So, you well, know, you you got Uganda Roberts on. We yes, and then we killed him. So well, you know, well, we, we got him right under the wire. There's a few that have slipped out. You know, Jerry Jumanville is one that that uh, that evaded our grasp. We were we were after him for a while. You know, Ellis Marcellus was the guy I would have loved to have had on. Um, you know, just just weren't weren't able to make it happen by the you know that's you never know. It's so so you know I didn't want to wait any longer for Stanley because you know you could go any minute, Stanley. Frankly, <laughs> um, surprised I made it this long for sure. I, I, we all are. We all are. Well, uh, well, uh, Manny, this seems like a good time to take a break, don't you think? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll take our uh, uh, Stanley. We usually take a little break to fill our glass and, and, and the nation knows what to do. So uh, we'll be right back. When the moon is hanging low and the sun's about to rise, I'm all alone and lonely. It's a heavy load I bear. And just when I can't take it and I'm about to break, I talk to God. He always Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Stanley Adkins. Now, Stanley, I know you're not a guy who's uh, who needs a lot of stress relief because you know you're you're already pretty uh, stress free. You know you, you've you've addressed that, but uh, you know not everybody's in that situation. We we have a terrific product that we've been associated with that's uh, that's for the for the rest of the people that could use some stress relief. So, uh, uh, Manny, why don't you tell uh, the nation about this product? Renee, Renee, we've got breaking news. You got to hear this from the from the makers of Velobar. We have a huge announcement, a big, huge announcement. Excellent. And the and the CEO of the company has dialed in to talk about it. He's a former guest. He's a Velobar user. He's one of the few oh, people I know who can suck his own cock. because i've really got a big one wow okay flexibility i like we have him on the line and he's here to make this huge announcement for us will you welcome a former guest an old friend the ceo of velabar brant Ryder? welcome Welcome, brant thank you gentlemen thank you very much so what's the news brant what do we got to talk about 
So, yeah, I want to tell you guys and your listeners uh, about this new product we're doing. Um, it's kind of, it started a little bit as a side project, but it really just took off because um, it's this new Delta 8 THC thing that's going around. Oh. And yeah, about that. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people have been hearing about it. It's trending really hard right now because it essentially is legal weed. Uh, you don't yes. need to buy it. Yeah, you don't need to buy it in a dispenser. You can walk into any hemp store, CBD store, probably gas station at this point, uh, and get a tweaked version of the cannabis molecule. Normal cannabis is delta nine tetrahydrocannabinol. What these tweakers in their labs figured out how to do is just change one little chain on the on the CBD molecule. Actually, they're using a CBD isolate as their base. They tweak that. And then change your presto, it is now Delta 8 THC, um, which technically is legal um, because it comes from the hemp plant. And so there's this weird loophole right now um, that is letting us make products, you know, until the man shuts it all down, um, that actually do have a psychoactive effect, um, milder than regular weed. I do have to say it is a different user experience. Um, yeah, I kind of find it kind of in between CBD and regular Delta nine, uh, THC cannabis. It's more of a body experience and less of a head high. Uh, but it's really nice. It's really nice. And, um, and so, yeah, we've been making these cookies, um, and they're just really taking off right now. And apparently the cook, the cookies are just, they can't keep enough on the shelves right now. Right. Yeah. uh, they, they're selling like cookies. Yeah, like <laughs> so as soon as I make them, they're gone. They're gone, and and everybody's like banging on the door saying, "Hey, we want the D8." And we're doing right now. We're doing a chocolate chip cookie. We're going to be doing some some other flavors, uh, maybe a brownie. But yeah, it's just it's really exciting right now. So what is this called? So um, my what what I did was I, I created a company called the Great Escape Baking Company. Great G R eight. Um, and I'm putting these on the Velobar website, but I'm kind of burying it and hiding it on the website. So only people who know where to find it can find it because, you know, it's still kind of under the radar and we always have to be worried about, you know, banks canceling our bank account or, you know, credit card processors stopping to work with us. It's just, it's a gray area right now and it's just better safe than sorry. Um, yeah, so we kind of bury it, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll share the link. Uh, with you guys later. Maybe you can share it with your listeners um, so they can try it if they want to. Yep. So you had told me earlier this week that there's uh, there's different tiers of this product, right? Yeah. So we do them in different dosages. Um, 25 milligrams is probably a good dose to start out. The The Delta 8, it, it, it's in the body, it works in the body a little bit different than Delta 9 cannabis. It comes on way slower. It takes like a good hour and a half. But then once it comes on, it stays with you really long, it's, especially if you eat it. Um, the, the, the laws are changing for vaping products, and just in a couple of weeks, it's going to be illegal to ship vapes through the U.S. mail. So there's going to be a lot of people turning to edibles, um, and the edible experience is different from vaping. It, it takes longer to affect your body, and it lasts a lot longer. And it's also really potent. 25 milligrams is, is the first tier we're doing. That is a pretty serious dose. Um, for the stoners out there, we're doing a 50 milligram and also for the, for the heavy, for the heavy stoner, we're doing a hundred milligram version, which I do (laughs) not, I do not recommend for the novice. 
Yeah, I think um, most of the uh, troubled nation will be going for that one. But you know, it's, it's up to everyone, everyone to uh, you know you, use their best judgment. You know, you you know your body, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And don't and it's not it's not like drinking that bong water, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't eat a cookie and drive. No, actually, you know, if you take a mild dose, I I actually like about twelve and a half. I'll usually split a, a, a twenty-five milligram cookie between me and a friend. Um, and that's a real nice vibe. You got a nice magic carpet ride, body high, not a real head high. You can still function, and it lasts a real long time. But you know, everyone's got their own preference, and you just got to self titrate and find the right level for you. This is an amazing announcement, Nation. This is yes. so great. This is just an amazing announcement, and I'm glad you 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 wanted to, us to do it for you, Brand. We're more than happy to. And uh, this is this is fantastic, really. It is. So, is there yeah, anything you guys- else you want? Yeah, you guys are yeah, you guys are the exclusive. So yeah, we're doing an exclusive um, promo code for your listeners. Um, okay. Use the yep. So if you go to our website, the way to find this on our website, we are going to add a link. But if you go to the website, you'll see those three little lines in the upper right hand corner um, mm-hmm. of the website. And if you click on those three little lines in the upper right hand corner, you'll see the full menu. And then kind of in there, you'll see Great Escape Chocolate Chip Cookies. If you click on that link, this is the VeloBarCBD.com website. That's correct. Velobar, we're okay. doing the we're doing these um, these Delta Eight cookies on the VelobarCBD.com website uh, just for the time being. It's not it's not going to last a long time. We'll probably have to take it down at some point. But for right now, if you click on those three lines, you can see the Great Escape, and then you'll see twenty five milligram, fifty milligram, or hundred milligram cookies. We're selling in a four pack, so you buy four at a time. Um, and we're doing a promo code exclusive for your listeners. So if you use the promo code Troubled Cookie fifteen. At yes. checkout, <laughs> Troubled Cookie 15 for the Troubled Nation, you can get 15% off your order. And always, what, free shipping? Free shipping, as always. Oh, oh we yeah. love that. We yes. love the nation loves that. You know, yep. it, it, this is exciting stuff, Mr. Brandt. This yes, is really exciting stuff. I'm very happy for you. I'm happy for us. I'm happy for the whole nation. Just, it's a stray note, but it kind of reminds me of acid back in the Owsley days, like before it was illegal, when everyone was just like taking acid because the government didn't wasn't saying you couldn't. It's the same <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Now it's like the the street is always ahead of the man. The man's going to come down at some point, but for right now, you know, it's time to party. So enjoy. Right. Nice. Nice. I think that twenty one is going to be a good year. yes oh that that reminds me 21 adults only please we sell these cookies in child proof packaging just like we would a cannabis product so if you get the product it'll come in a child proof package keep it away from kids keep it away from your animals it is serious stuff excellent excellent well renee do you have anything else you want to talk to with brand or anything to add um, no, no, I'm, I've, you know, we, we, he sent us some, some samples a couple of weeks ago. You and I both had a wonderful, uh, experience with those. So, you know, we endorse the product and, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, channeling this to the, uh, troubled nation, Brent. Right on, right on. As always in the troubled nation, if you want to support the, uh, podcast directly, you can jump on the, uh, PayPal link in the show notes or, uh, the, uh, the Facebook page and, you know, help defray our operating costs or, uh, you know, buy us a cocktail. Hopefully we're, we're soon to be returning to uh, physical podcasts for at least for some of them, that will be great. Um, So looking forward to doing that. Um, 
And, uh, you know, just to remind everyone, you know, we, we, we do have the, the email uh, address there. If you have questions, if you want us, if you have suggestions, you know, just don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you know, Whatever happened with the T-shirts? Well, we have the T-shirts and, and they're still available. You know, the, I'd say that the sales have fallen off, Manny, <laughs> since, since we last advertised them. But uh, they're still available. You know, there are certain people. It's not everyone, but uh, there are people that want to have their Trouble Men podcast T-shirt. And look. I was wearing mine a couple of weeks ago and I went into uh, five guys hamburgers to order a hamburger and the kid behind the counter goes, Oh man, I've heard about that podcast. Oh really? Really? (laughs) He goes, yeah, man. Yeah. I've been hearing about that podcast. I was like, well, that's, that's good. You know? So there you go. You know, it's, it's, uh, you never know how the, I I don't really care for that place. Their their burgers are very salty. If you ask me. Yeah. My son loves it. He loves the super salty French fries. I, I I, I don't mind it either. You know, I like it. It's, you know, I don't eat there. If I eat there four times a year, that's plenty, but you know, it's, it's kind of by some of my rental properties. So, you know, after I've, you know, worked a good long bunch of hours, I might treat myself to a five guys hamburger. You know, I can handle the salt. You know, I don't have high blood pressure or anything. Not yet, but go ahead. No, no, no. You know, funny thing, it reminds me, uh, there's a great Tony Bennett quote. um, And and he said, look, eat as much salt as you want when you're young, because you'll get to an age where they'll start telling you not to. (laughs) So get it all in. While you can. So I guess that applies to a lot of things, uh, you know. Um, so Stanley, uh, back to st- our guest, Stanley Atkins. So, you know, you've already talked about how you would cross paths with, with all these uh, musical luminaries. You, you seem to have a knack for it. You seem to have a very easygoing, approachable air about you. Um, you know, girls always dug Stanley, uh, you know just people in general. So somehow you, you come across guitar slim junior, you know, I already said how early in my, in my life, you uh, changed the trajectory of my career. Well, in this case, you didn't change it, but you did introduce me to guitar slim junior, which I wound up playing with. And you know, that record wound up being a Grammy nominated blues record. But how did you, uh, how did you get involved with guitar slim junior? This is, Oh, you'll love this man. Carlo did a, actually drop drop slim off at me and judy's uh place on royal street if you remember when we were staring staying there and well not uh, on frenchman street i remember when you were no, on frenchman. not had frenchman that- this was way after that this was oh, in okay. the 80s but he said stanley he's playing with walter and He's doing all this Tyrone Davis, Michael Jackson. He says, will you please teach him some Jimmy Reed his, his da- and study his daddy a little bit? And I was like, okay, okay, whatever, Carlo. And, uh, man, me and Slim just clicked. I just showed him that, that three-style blues thing that Alex taught me, and... Slim was a monster once he just started. I remember one night sitting at Tim Patina's, you on one side, him on another. You guys were talking musical math that just blew my mind. 
So Slim was a savant, but he was also extremely drunk and lost. <laughs> Hard to believe, but uh, anyway, go on. So, but yeah, but, that's uh, how it started, and okay. then. With, and you became a little bit of a caretaker of him somehow. I don't know. Well, and yeah. then me and him became partners, you know. Okay. Uh, we would hang out. Carlo had an agenda. We just wanted to play our gig at the Colt 38. I do remember the first time you introduced me to, uh, you know, you always were, you know, were a fan of mine, a champion of mine. And I guess you were talking me up to Slim and the first time that you got us together and we we played and you're saying you're telling me you know guitar slim jr and want to make this record on all of his dad's songs and everything i was like okay cool gonna be playing a bunch of uh really cool electric blues and he and we get in the rehearsal at your house and he goes yeah you know the song uh word up by cameo <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a hit at the time. It's a song I like, you know, that's, that's a cool band cameo. So we, and we wound up playing that. And, and I think based on us playing uh, word up by cameo and, and your he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come play on this blues record that we're making? Yeah. I had to teach him the blood and guts stuff, you know? So, uh, so yeah, we wind up making that record with Carlo Ditta, another uh, a former Trouble Men podcast guest. He told a great story about uh, being saved from a mob uh, by uh, Jimi Hendrix, who, who uh, <laughs> he wrapped his arms around Jimi Hendrix's waist to keep from getting uh, trampled by the crowd um, at uh, City Park. Anyway, it was a great story. But uh, we wound up making that record, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of cool people. Shannon Powell was the drummer on that record, uh, you know. A.J. Loria, yeah, yeah. And Slim, let me tell you this. Now, playing at, playing at the Colt State, uh, at the Colt 38, we had Fats's uh, and Juan Jr. was our drummer, Leo Nocitelli's uh, brother was our bass player. Mm. So every Saturday night, we'd have people like Ernie K. Doe drop in, Jesse Hill, uh, Oliver Morgan, uh, their kids. Um, what's his name? Wilson Pickett's son. Oh, the talent and the people in that little community just blew my mind, Renee. Angela and, and Alex was so intrigued that how is it that Stanley gets to know Booker, Fez, well, know. Uh, all these weird people, and he don't know shit about all this stuff. It just falls into place. Well. Anyway, it was really cool because Fats could cook, man. He'd bring bring a crock pot down there. And this little club was owned by a retired uh, Orleans Parish police officer. So on the little blue door was just a police badge. <laughs> the door yeah. of the bar? Yeah. <laughs> where 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 was it? It was on it was on Basin Street. Yeah, so that's where I was at Saturday, every Saturday night. Well you know, Alex was out touring the country and Renee was doing what he was doing. That's where I ended up, yeah. 
Right. And then, and, and so besides all those people, like, you know, you're friends with Bobby Rush. Oh, <laughs> I love Bobby. Yeah. Let's celebrate his other Grammy. That's wonderful. Yes, just this past Sunday, Bobby yeah. won his second Grammy. So, uh, he won his first Grammy at age 83, I think, yes. about f- three years ago. And so he won his second Grammy at age 86. Is that what he is now or some- somewhere around yeah. that? that yeah, point? it is, Renee. And I got to show you this week because Bobby told me, he says, Stanley, you know, I think you have it. Uh, 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 think of you as one of my sons because when he comes down here to the floor blam i play slide for him and we have a, a personal relationship well he knows i'm from memphis and me and chris bell and alex used to hang out at the cotton club well he says stanley when i first played the cotton club and had elmore james in my band and had to fire him for Freddie King because he was a drunk, and <laughs> I played behind a sheet. Bobby's got 300-something albums out. When he won that Grammy, I was so happy, Renee. Jesus, it, no kidding, man. People like him have touched my life. That's And, and like Earl King, you know, the, those people, Lee and Shirley, and Ernie K. Doe, uh, it's just been a wonderful thing being part of the New Orleans scene, growing, yeah, man. growing and being a part of it. And so happy that you're a part of it now, Manny. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not part of the music scene. I, I'm no, but, a, no, but I, you're I, there. I, I, I'm part of a scene. You, you're I, living yeah. in the jungle. Yeah, I, sometimes, I, yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes I'd rather be seen and not heard, basically, you know, well, that kind of thing. Right, right, uh, right, right. But uh, I, I am here. Uh, uh, I came here 20, well, came here 20 years ago and, uh, we made a movie and I got married and I can't leave now. Right. <laughs> unless, uh, unless, unless I hit that number, I keep playing the Powerball every week. And yeah. If I hit yeah. that number, I'm leaving, man. I'm going. Well, Manny, you should consider yourself, uh, you know, kind of knighted now. Stanley has just dealt you in to this whole, this whole pantheon of people he's mentioning, you know, and Bobby Rush. And anyway, back to Bobby Rush, I was going to say, so for all you musicians who have been, you know, you're in your 30s, your 40s, you think you've been grinding it out for a long time and you really haven't had the recognition that you deserve, look at Bobby Rush. So he's... he's Still grinding it out at 86. He won his first Grammy to 83. So, you know, you may have a lot of time left, you know. So don't be such a big hurry. Keep working working at it. Hey, man, I remember the days, Renee, when me and Alex and my brother, we would go and park behind the Paradise Bar in Memphis and they'd let Alex come in the back. They'd sneak him out. But me and Steve would set out back and listen to people like Bobby Blue Band, B.B. King, uh, Hound Dog Taylor, Bobby Rush, Tyrone Davis, and uh, as well as... What, what, what was the reason why they let you guys in the parking, uh, let you stay in the parking lot? What was your deal? 
Well, because we were underage, we just parked oh, okay. and set back. But Alex okay. had been in the box tops. He had gold records, you know. They knew who okay. he was. But uh, as well as being in Memphis, we could go to Hernando's Hideaway and do the same thing in here. Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Charlie Rich. Um, wow. let, me, let me think a few. Of the, so uh, cool. Uh, Charlie Feathers. Uh, yeah, how old are you, awesome. Oh, I was, I was wow. probably 16, but Alex was 18. And think about this. Being friends with Alex, Alex just comes back. I come back from Russia in the Merchant Marines. Alex comes back from a 32 city tour with the Beach Boys. Right. Man, we've both got a pocket full of money and are, you know, I'm just following Alex's uh, muse. You understand? You're, you're, you're a sailor? Yeah, I was trying to get away from being in uh, going to the war, so I. Which war was this? Vietnam. Oh, okay, We're right. looking at right at the years between sixty nine and seventy two. All right, that's when they all were right. drafting a lot of people, man. Yeah, yeah, we all had to think about. Oh man, yeah, we well, want yeah. Well, just the last 45 minutes of talking with you, Stanley, I don't, I don't think the military would have ever accepted you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you know, they were, the, 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 the gates were wide open there, but, you know, that's... Because uh, I think right. South Vietnam and the bars and the places there... You would you would have been fucking you know a drug lord probably. You would have just melted right into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they probably would have said, "No, I'm sorry, Stanley, you can't go to Southeast Asia." God damn, right, I right, missed right. it. I missed uh, yeah, such missed an opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Manny, it's actually you know we're I was talking about Ellis Marcellus and. That's one of the uh, the pieces of advice he gave me when I was studying with me. It's just apropos of nothing. Out of nowhere, he goes. Hey man, uh, don't ever join the military. <laughs> Just to me uh, personally, and I was like, uh, uh, he goes, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fit in good there. Like, okay. No, no. I mean, the military. Uh, it's like, don't worry. I, I would never had any, any, any uh, inclination to. So, well, I mean, the you know, my brother was an army guy for twenty years, mm. and I had my oldest brother was a navy guy for four years, but. They were the types who could handle it, you know, yeah. for tw 20 or four years. Me, I couldn't last, you four know. days. Well, I couldn't last signing the contract, you know. Right, 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 right. You know, uh, it's just, you know. But, but, but the history of our country, people like me, five, six, 140 pounds or whatever, were drafted. Sure. And they found a place for them, either as a foot soldier or as – Radar O'Reilly, you know, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a place for everybody, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. you know, but uh, but Stanley, yeah, but go back to Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. yeah. So so yes, I was wrong when I said that you've never had a job because in fact you were a merchant marine. Um, oh yeah, that was. But that was kind of the 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 short and long of your career outside of music. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, that was before the wreck. Yeah. Right, right, right. Did you? 
Did they let you bring an instrument on the uh, as a merchant marine? Could you play your instrument? Uh, yeah, I guess you could if you wanted to carry a six-string guitar. Because my brother, who was in the Navy for four years, moved to New Orleans, and he was a merchant marine. And he got to go, he went over, ran around the world like five times. And he loved it. That's got to be cool, man. That's oh, cool. yeah, yeah. I want to be a captain. But let's talk about this for a day. Do you remember that uh, New Year's Eve night? Were you on the gig or was it Clark? I don't know. What night is that? It was a night. Scott, I think Scott played with us. and uh, Scott Gudo? Yeah. And it was Apartment B, us, and somebody else. Sounds familiar. The Red yeah. Rockers. The Red Rockers. Yeah. Okay. But that All little right. guy, Jonathan, uh, what's his name? Jonathan something, somebody. The, the owner the, of Tupelo's, that guy. No, that was Toby. But the, Toby, the guy okay, from Toby. the Red Rockers kept shocking me to get me off stage because it was like the Night of the Violent Femmes. After John we, Thomas Griffith? That's yeah, John Thomas Griffith, that little bastard. Boy, he kept he kept shocking me with the he he put the He had a stun gun? No, he had back then if your impedance on your amp was not set with the impedance on the PA, they they weren't built in the bars, Manny. We had to have a guy come in and run it for us. Okay. And so John Thomas has slipped back there. Yeah, the, the, yeah the he hit that he polarity shock. and shocked me to get me uh, off the stage. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to kick his ass, man. Yeah, because we had the stage. We had the crowd. We were rocking. They didn't want us to leave. But, uh, it, you know, it was nice like that. Well, is he still alive? We could set this up, man. Oh, yeah, no, actually, I, I have him on my list to get him on the show. No, I'd love to have oh, John on, no. on, on, I've on the been show. Looking, I've been looking for it for 30 years, man. No, he's, I, a good, I, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, man. yeah, I'm sure yeah. all – oh, it was just a sign of the times. We were all yeah, doing no, weird, that's, that's We were all doing weird shit to each other. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, Stanley, so we have to touch on this thing just briefly. So – so, um, you know, uh, uh, that's what my wife said. Right. I know. I know. I know. We've talked about that. Um, but, uh, no, David Leonard is doing this, this film on Alex Chilton. Yes. And, yes. and in, in the, he was meeting with you and interviewing you. And during this meeting, it's, this is almost a story like the discovery of the, the, the book of Mormon, like scrolls in a cave or something. While you're there, while he's there, you open a drawer and, and, and a whole notebook of songs falls out. Um, yeah. So we're, we're near the end of the podcast, but we have to touch on this because it's, 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 uh, it's almost like uh, uh, Hitler's diary or something. You know, one of those yeah. things that has kind of cropped up that is, is it true? Is it not true? Is it yes, a, apocryphal? It's, it's, uh, tell us about that. Well, it's very true. The management from REM know about it. Well, David had his camera out, was here filming for the documentary, and... I did open a drawer to pull out and sing for him, and as a notebook fall, fell out, he was filming it, and 
it was some songs that Alex and I had written from 72 to 82. And so I do have the songs. Um, I haven't really recorded any of them yet. It's just in a stage where we're talking about it. John Colton Berry knows about it. The management of REM knows about it. Uh, Jeff Berry knows about it. The great Jeff uh, Berry. Great John Colton Berry. Holy cow, man. You're, uh, yeah. So... Sounds like too many people know about it. Yeah, well, well man, no, you know. no, Manny, Manny, this <laughs> now, is... Now, now the whole troubled nation is going to know about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just these are people that are very... that are, uh, John thinks there's a book in it. Jeff thinks there's a lot of songs in yeah, it. Yeah, and, and they all think there's money in it. Yeah. Well, the, it's unfinished business. In hills, Manny. Manny, it's just unfinished business for me with Alex as, as such a close and dear friend. And uh, it's just something that uh, I feel like I need to finish. Uh, it's, it's not about money. It's just about uh, um, dying without, with the song unsung, if you understand that. Nice. Sure. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well. Uh. Well. Stanley. God. It's been so great having well, you. Wait on. a minute, Stanley. Uh. You, you talk about Alex and and and. and uh, so, would Alex and are you? Let me ask you this, because I, I want to present this out to the people. Would you rather fuck a person with no arms or with no legs? Oh, I, I okay. Sorry. Damn, uh, I'd have to think about that, Manny, because. Or what would Alex want to do? Well, I don't know. I can't speak for now, anybody else. Alex. I'd go no arms. I'd go no arms personally, but. You know. I think Alex. I don't know. Alex. Alex might want one of each. He he was totally confused. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you go for a third option that wasn't offered. Yes. But so myself, why? why? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Manny. Why? No, no, well, I'm ahead. still into young strippers, you know. I mean, at my age, I like the young girls, you know. Okay. Well, who okay. does it? Who okay. does well, it? I was going to say, Manny, what is the right answer? What What would you, what would be your, your. Well, well you said no arms. Why yeah. no arms? I don't know. Just when it popped into my head, the, you know, the image of the whole thing, I thought, yeah, no arms is way better. Um, what would you think? I would think both. What, like just neither one? Yeah, neither one. <laughs> just wow, the okay. essential parts. Okay, well, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, that to me is worse, but, you know, I don't know. It's uh, Again, this is a very interesting question you're posing here, man. <laughs> I've never thought well, about this where, before. Yeah. Well, it's uh, something I've been thinking about since I was like eight years old. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I feel okay. honored that you brought it out at this particular time. That's I think wonderful. we all do. I think the whole troubled nation feels honored <laughs> to, to be witnessing this. It's like what, uh, you know, Paul Masson, you know, uh, as he used to say, no idea before it's time. It's, it's, it's time has arrived. All right, I don't know what that God, means. you guys right. have me back. This has been so much fun. <laughs> well, Stanley, we, we'd love to have you back. Yes. 
Thank we'll you, have man. you back. Yes. Thank you, and, man. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to hook up with you in uh, Floribama one day. Yeah. That, would, that would, would be great. Yeah. Uh, uh, whole yeah. triumvirate there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, uh, Stanley, you've been great. And like like always, Renee, he's a guy who needs to come back. Absolutely. He's an easygoing yeah. guy. Everybody loves Stanley. He can talk about anything. You know, you, you, he never gets old. Yeah. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you, Troubled Nation. Yes. And as always, what do we say, Renee? Uh, in the Troubled Nation, we like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. In ten long years since I've seen my fans Lots of new faces Lots of new bands It's my turn to sing my song It's my time to shine again